get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. You like that? Yeah. You like that? That's right. We do like that. We like the fact that training camp is about two weeks away, a little over two weeks away. Rookies will have to report first and go through their little thing, and then the veterans get to show up for Kevin O'Connell's first Vikings training camp. This is Daily Vikings Entertainment here on Purple Daily, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. The show is presented by our friends at Surly Brewing Company and TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs, delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL, tcl.com. This is a four-question Friday, boys and girls. We're going to start with this one here. So a couple weeks back, probably like three weeks back now, we did a full episode on the best-case scenario for the Vikings in 2022, that if everything goes well, how many games do they win? How far can they go? And we all kind of landed on, like, they could win 11 or 12 games if things go crazy crazy well for them and everything clicks and they could probably win a couple playoff games. I don't think any of us said they can win the Super Bowl this year, but uh, we all had them like, yeah, the best version of this team is like an 11 or 12 win team. So question number one here for you guys is what's the worst case scenario for the 2022 Vikings? Can I take the step of removing the potential for injury from this completely? Cause I feel like that's the yeah. worst case, but that's sure. no fun. Like that's, that's fair. You know, Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, and Justin yeah. Jefferson all tear Sean, their ACLs. Sean and... Mannion starts 15 <laughs> games. I see a magical run. Yeah. Um, removing the potential for injury and just going with the worst-case scenario with everybody playing, I think, starts with this. I think the Cousins, I don't know if you can call it an experiment, but I guess I would. The O'Connell-Cousins experiment does not work. Kirk does not take a tick up. Kirk is still statistically good. But, like, the level that they are hoping to reach as an offense, which will, I think it's fair, fair to say, be, you know, potentially a top five, like a really good, rock-solid offense, um, that Kirk is just Kirk. And that, that what O'Connell thinks and what Quazy thinks and what the Wilfs think O'Connell can do with Kirk does not work. And so that starts off the worst case. Because, I mean, I still think Jefferson, Thielen, I still think that group is productive. But if we just see Kirk being Kirk, that's not going to take you up to where this offense wants to go. The other side of the ball is pretty simple to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we're excited by the fact that the Vikings are introducing significant defensive schematic changes. I mean, it sounds cool. It sounds like it could be great. It sounds like it could be a huge improvement, certainly on what we saw in 2021. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's not. Let's say it's, you know, let's say Cam Dantzler doesn't show the necessary growth that we expected to see. Let's say Eric Kendricks really is aging out. Um, that the middle of the line, the interior is okay, but not great. And so the Vikings are banking on a lot of things changing, and I think that they are very confident that the changes in scheme will be successful. But for those to be successful, the people that they're putting into that scheme also have to prove that they can be extremely productive and uh, potentially in the case of like Cousins or Kendricks take a definite step up from what we saw last season. So I would say that the people put into that scheme aren't as successful as we and they expected and that is the worst case. And wins-wise, 
I still think you come away with like seven. Like I, mm. I don't see, I, I don't see this team train unless everyone gets hurt. I don't see a train wreck to like a, Oh my God, they won three games. I still think yeah. they went around seven games. So, all right, here's my, and I'll throw it to Declan here after I piggyback off you. They have a lot of built-in bumpers. Like if this was a bowling alley, there's a lot of built-in bumpers and buffers here that prevent you from winning four games or five games. <laughs> That's well put. And the and the number one bumper is is Kirk Cousins. This is going to sound crazy from a Cousins hater, right? Well, you think he's garbage. No, I think he's one of the 13, 14, 15 best quarterbacks in the world, and he actually has one of the lowest floors of any quarterback in the NFL. Tom Brady has a low floor, or I, I'm sorry, highest floors, I should say. That like the worst case scenario of a Kirk Cousins quarterback team in his career is seven wins. That's it. Like he's never he's never quarterbacked a four and twelve team or a a five win team. I mean, you go through Matt Ryan's career. There's some. There's like two or three clunkers in there where they win like four games or five games or something. Yes. Um, even Brett Favre didn't Brett Favre quarterback a four or five win Packer team one year in the mm-hmm. early 2000s cuz he just like threw 27 interceptions and was that 2000 was that uh, Ticey and Sherman's last season yeah. respectively 2005 yeah. yes they and that awful. is not to say that Cousins is better than peak Brett Favre it's just that I'll go back to the word I used on yesterday's episode it's it's, it's about variance that he just plays with such a risk averse mindful strategy He's not going to go and shipwreck your season himself. So he is a gravitational pull toward 500 in both directions. If your team aspires to win 13 games like the 2018 Vikings did again, he'll bring you back toward 500. But if you think, oh, my God, there's a chance we might train wreck, he's a good enough quarterback and just a sound enough quarterback that you're probably still going to win seven games. So. Um, I agree with you. I think the worst case you know, injuries not included. The worst case, re- reasonably, you're going to have some injuries, but you know, we're, we're we're kind of eliminating a rash of crazy injuries from this equation. That you're still going to win seven or eight games. I think I worry about on defense some of the same things. Just Jordan Hicks, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson. Those dudes are aging. Those guys are all on the wrong side of thirty. Harrison Smith is closer to thirty five than thirty. And I don't know, just at some point, your speed starts to dip and your reaction time starts to dip. Are all four of those guys going to keep playing like they're in their prime? Probably not. So I, w- I would worry about that. And the first-year coach factor. Usually it just you're calling plays for the first time. You're trying to organize practice schedules for the first time and everything. And, yes, you can lean on Mike Pettin as your assistant head coach. And you, he did a great job of bringing in some veteran coaches and some support around him. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Kevin O'Connell is a first-year NFL head coach. But uh, all of that stew together, I think, has a pretty high floor. I just, I don't, knock on wood, I, I don't see a five-win train wreck as a possibility for this team unless Daniil Hunter misses the whole year again or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's basically, if is Kevin O'Connell going to be completely overmatched from his play calling standpoint, from being a head coach, that's what it comes down to. Is O'Connell not ready for this? Um, I personally think he is ready for this, mm-hmm. but he comes in and just is has no clue how to run an offense. Um, he was benefactoring from playing or coaching with Sean McVay the last few years. The offense still stays in a stagnant mode. I agree. I don't. I don't see a situation. Yes, pending the major injuries, that the offense is still like no worse than fifteenth in the NFL. But let's say it is worse. Let's say it somehow becomes worse and it comes way too one-dimensional. You know, John D. Filippo wanted to throw the ball a lot. 
and it didn't really work out for the Vikings offense. So is there some type of issue with Kevin O'Connell where he becomes kind of shipwrecks his own, his own uh, ship essentially and makes this team bad. And then the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Hey, Zadarius Smith could still play 16 games and he might not be that good anymore. Like that's also a, a big thing too. I, I still think he's good. And I still think there's some left in the tank there, but there, there still could be a ton of players on that defensive side of the ball from Harrison Smith, to Eric Hendricks, to Darius Smith, Pat P you never know could take a massive step backwards next year. Um, we're kind of hoping that the defense is basically average. If it's average, I think we're going to throw a parade because it's still going to take a long time for that defense to be pretty good uh, again. So I think those are your, those are your worst case scenarios. Kevin O'Connell looks completely overmatched and your defense really starts to show its age and doesn't show any signs of improvement. Yeah. So what's like the worst injuries aside, what's the worst possible win total? Four or five. Oh, yeah. So you think it could, you think that yeah. even if everyone's healthy, there's a train wreck possibility. Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. I still think that's possible. Yeah, I think all, if all of those things happen, I just like there's so much on offense to you can like you're going to win games because Justin Jefferson goes for a buck fifty mm-hmm. and two touchdowns here and there. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, let us know what you guys think in the comment section of the Purple Daily YouTube channel here. And by the way, while you're doing that, if you could click the subscribe button and the like button, it would help spread the word about this Vikings fan community that we are uh, building with you guys the last couple of years. Question number two here on Four Question Friday. What is the single aspect of this team that will have the biggest influence on improvement from eight wins to nine, 10, 11, whatever it is? If they're going to improve, what's the single biggest influential area that will cause the improvement? Um, I believe it is the shift in philosophy from we are a defensive team and offense don't screw up to we are an offensive team. And and our bread and butter now comes from a side of the football that gives you Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Thielen, hopefully Irv Smith Jr. My point being is I think that is the seismic shift because that's a shift that reflects where this league is gone. And the Vikings were resistant to it when they hired Mike in 2014 in part because they couldn't find a quarterback. And you know what? In 2014 for a few years there, that worked pretty damn well. But this off, this league continues to go in the direction of, and will, and probably should, offense. And so the single biggest shift will be the hiring of Kevin O'Connell and everything that he brings in, which will start with the offense is going to win us games. I need my defense because Mike, Mike tolerated offense. And that was, I think, at the end, yeah. there were a lot of downfalls. But the single biggest downfall was you cannot see your offense as a pain in your ass. I actually, I'm going to take a more granular uh, angle because I agree on offense. There's some things on defense too, but I think not having a train wreck offensive line, it's, mm-hmm. it's lining up so that I'm not saying it's going to be the best offensive line in the NFL, but we know what Brian O'Neill is. Christian Derrissaw is a blue-chip talent, first-round pick that showed some great flashes in the second half of the season. He's going into year two. Just a, I think just a, a better situation for him this offseason is not rehabbing from a hernia surgery and getting crapped on by the head coach, you know. And then on the interior, Ezra Cleveland going into year three as a second-round pick a few years back holding his own. I still have major concerns about Garrett Bradbury, but Chris Reed is a veteran that they could slide over. They have some options there at least. And then I think right guard, anyone other than Ole Udo, whether it's Jesse Davis or Chris Reed or Ingram, who they drafted, there's just options to plug in there. 
So I, I, I just I see that offensive line being better, and I think a more offensive-minded coaching staff and head coach are going to be helpful to the development too, and uh, that should get them at least a couple extra wins. I think it should just like it's it'd be the first time in basically ten years that they've had a competent offensive line. If that happens, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, the Absolutely. offensive line's good. And just to go off my original point of what could go wrong is, well, the biggest thing that's going to go right is this coaching staff steps in and changes philosophy. And I, I would also loop in Wes Phillips, too, um, who was hired here to help run things a little bit, has great football blood as well. Um, they are yeah, – give me a – I'll hit you with that. that. Yeah, there you oh, go. Blood. Yeah, that's right. Football blood. Football blood sounds like a horror film. I went to a football oh, I blood. Like I watched that it's like film. A, like, a, like, a dra- like Roger Goodell's Dracula or something. Give me like, football like a blood. sci-fi channel 2 a.m. film that just like comes on that you turn on when you have insomnia. Um, I can see that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, the coaching staff being offensive-driven is the single biggest aspect that's going to make this team successful. I, they're not punting on defense. They certainly aren't punting, but they know they're limited. They have defensive backs that have humongous question marks. Their linebacking core, I think, still also has question marks. Um, but their defensive line is going to be their bread and butter, and they have to get after the quarterback. That de- if that defense is even league average or worse at getting at the quarterback, they're going to have another bad year. Um, but the single biggest aspect that makes them a better team is leaning into be an offense, being a, finally a top 10 legitimate offense, not just top four in yards and 13th in points, but a legitimate top five offense. That's going to be the single biggest aspect that makes them successful this season. Yeah. Okay, we've reached halftime here of Four Question Friday. And so uh, let's shout out our friends at Surly Brewing Company, helping us celebrate the summer of Surly, Judd. They indeed are. And guess what, folks? It's Four Question Friday. That means the weekend is basically here. And it is, as Phil just said, the summer of Surly. And so it is time for you to show us your cans. From the boat, the pontoon, perhaps, the pool, the porch, Supremes, Furious, perhaps it's a logic bomb. We want to see... Your cans on Twitter. I'm at Jay Zolgad. I'm obviously at Score North as well. But this weekend, when you are enjoying the summer of Surly, and it's going to be hot out, so you're going to need something refreshing and cool, show us your cans and show us that you love Surly in the summer of Surly as much as we all do here at Purple Daily. I don't know. Do they serve Surly at Brainerd International Raceway? Have we, we should try and confirm that. Kind of a double they whammy might. if they do. They might, because uh, Motor America's coming up there for three days, July 28th through the 31st. Kids 12 and under get in free. You can start planning your summer now at BIRMN.com. It's one week of full adrenaline, 180 miles per hour. Moto America at Brainerd International Raceway, July 28th through the 31st. There's camping information, too, so you can camp up there. Go to BIRMN.com for that camping and ticket information. Also, uh, our friends at Federated Insurance once again are organizing the Federated Challenge later on this July to help raise money for Big Brothers Big Sisters, $44 million raised since 2005. And uh, you could be, if you have an interest in being a big and a mentor to a child facing adversity, you could be the difference that someone's waiting for. Help them just craft a brighter future, maybe eventually get into a better school, just Building stronger communities. That's where Big Brothers Big Sisters does a ton of great work. If you want to find out how you can be a part of it and maybe become a big yourself, go to federatedchallenge.org. Okay. Question number three here. So there's a report, multiple reports, that Apple is the leader in the clubhouse to land NFL Sunday ticket. The uh, Previously, the DirecTV you know, is mostly a satellite-based thing for a number of years, and they've created a streaming version of it. So how would you guys feel? By the way, $3 billion is the projected price tag on the NFL Sunday ticket package. 
That poor league. Amazing. So how would you guys feel about Apple being the leader in the clubhouse or landing? How, I guess, how do you feel about, you know, some of these non-traditional platforms, streaming platforms, landing things like the NFL Sunday ticket package? You know, I had DirecTV and had the, the Sunday ticket package when we moved here into our house in 2000 for a few years. Um, I have not had DirecTV for a long time. So, like, the change is fine. But here's my thought. I don't care what the league does with any of its streaming packages as long as it leaves Red Zone alone. Red Zone has changed my life. So, like, because I'm not going to flip through. The, the Sunday ticket package was very cool in the early 2000s when I played fantasy football before Red Zone was created. Because it's like, oh, I can, you know, uh, it's a close-scoring opportunity in Washington, Philadelphia, right? And now it's close-scoring in San Diego, Oakland at the time. Well, then Red Zone came along, and Scott Hansen, who, I mean, Scott, you changed my life. You have changed, you've altered on Vikings off weeks, you have altered my Sundays. My life has been altered, you know, it's been altered for the better. Um, Red Zone, to me, is the greatest sports channel that exists right now. And I might argue it's the greatest sports channel of all time. And I know, and, and it's only on for is it four hours, eighteen hours. weeks. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. it's only yeah. on for eighteen weeks a year. And they do all the work for me. So, like, I would never, I would never again, unless I lived out of state, like Phil does. I would never again subscribe to to the Sunday ticket package because I don't need it. I don't want the hassle of like now I got to turn to 652 or you know change my I can now watch every significant event on a Sunday from my couch with no work. So that's how I feel about it. So I actually disagree a little bit with Judd that I want the red zone package available as an a la carte option. Like I would pay $5 a month or whatever it would be to get red zone each Sunday. Like I I would I would love that opportunity and I know it's mostly a cable television thing so if it became something like if Apple TV acquired Red Zone, I would 100% consider doing that because then that means I get to get Red Zone. Um, but in terms of the streaming service things, man, I mean, this is kind of the age we're living in. I, I, all these other platforms are starting to get picked up on. And, you know, the, the good thing about the NFL is, you know, it's on basic cable. So you can still get that, you know, digital antenna. It's not the rabbit ears anymore, but you can still get those channels easily without paying for a big cable bill. Um and yeah, I would. I just want Red Zone available to me, so I'm I'm for it leaving traditional cable satellite television uh, if it comes to me. And also, John Taffer like created this idea, uh, created Sunday Ticket. Jed, I don't know if you knew about this. You explained this on Levitard like two or three months ago. He was the one at like a New York bar that created the idea because he wanted like to get Cowboys games because there was Cowboys fans in New York, obviously. And he's like basically sold the idea to the NFL. And then he left out now millions, billions, I guess, billions of dollars potentially on the table um, because he didn't trademark it and copyright it and, and kind of a missed oh, Yeah, he helped like after. facilitate the idea. Awesome. He kind of came. No, I, I don't know. Maybe he's over exaggerating his influence. But, yeah, I heard that that interview, too. So, yeah, as someone who lives and I'm, there's a lot of people that consume this show that don't live in the metro area. So you don't you don't just get on your Fox channel. You don't just get the Vikings game every week. So I kind of like it. Yeah, you know, I, I always feel like the the game day app is kind of weird to navigate sometimes, and I always had some trouble with it. So if if it's kind of like like ESPN Plus just brings in, oh, we'll just bring in all the hockey games. Well, like we have an app that works, it's fine. I think right. Apple tends to have an app that works. They're running baseball games on it too now, um, which 
Those are kind of questionable. But this is the direction we're going, man. I mean, Apple, Amazon, these platforms are... And think about for Apple or for Disney or any of these big companies, a couple billion dollars here and there is not right that much. Like, let's just look up real quick here. Right. Apple revenue 2021 last year. Yep. Take a guess. Oh, God. I got a 700... Billion? I don't. I, I don't even know. I have no idea. Three three hundred sixty five point eight billion dollars in revenue, and they're going to spend three billion dollars to bring the NFL Sunday ticket package over. It is a drop in the bucket for what they bring in in, re- right. in annual revenue. Just bonkers. what is? What did Disney bring in as well? Because I'd be curious because they own ESPN. Sixty seven billion. Okay, interesting. Wow. What about Amazon? Amazon's got to be even bigger, right? Did Amazon bring a trillion? I bet it did. No, actually, only a hundred sixteen billion. Oh, they're in trouble. So it goes Apple, Amazon, Disney among those three. Okay, very interesting. So yeah, sorry to CBS. <laughs> CBS, you're still Paramount. gonna pay. You're still gonna pay a billion, CBS. two billion dollars a year too for your package. Yeah, there's it. Paramount Plus. Well, who owns CBS now? What parent company owns CBS? Viacom. It used to be Viacom for sure. Mm. Paramount, well, yeah, Paramount, Paramount yeah. Viacom, Paramount. Did they merge? I don't know. Uh, well, they brought in uh, twenty-eight billion dollars. Paramount Global last year as a multimedia company. Anyhow, I feel for all th- these poor companies, man. It's tough these days. <laughs> it is you know, tough. The pandemic it really, is. really took a lot away. <laughs> uh, okay, question number four here. So I've gotten up early here this week to watch the Open Championship, and on the West Coast, it's like. You can go to bed and watch the guys tee off at 11 p.m. if you want to. So I love the Open Championship. Love getting up in the morning. Love golf being on. You know, you kind of you can watch it in the morning and then it's over by noon or whatever. Which non-football sporting event could you sit and watch for hours, or do you watch for hours? For me, it, it is hockey playoffs. No question about Just it. Stack like, three games sit, back to yeah, back to back lo- and go for I it. I love the start. Like I and I love. I don't know why I love sports excess. So like the first day of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And by the way, That's I great. could not have watched men's basketball all season long, right? Like yeah. I got no idea who plays for Wake Forest or something. Uh, the first night of the hockey playoffs. I love tonnage. I don't know why, but excess is great. Opening day in baseball where they're shooting three or four games. Uh, but yeah, I would say... If I have to boil it down to one sport, I would say the first, I would say the first day, and in particular going through the hockey playoffs are my guilty pleasure. Uh, Judd's going to hate this answer, but I love the Olympics. I love all oh. Olympic events. I love snowboarding. I love <laughs> yes, summer Olympics. I love luge, I love bobsled. I love bobsled. I love shooting. Um, I love all the Olympics. Um, I grew up in a house where we loved it, so. When Judd's humongous disdain for the Olympics, uh, and I, I kind of get it, but I also just think it's an insane hatred that you have for something <laughs> that is just the that happens once every four years. It's like if it yeah. was every year, I'd be like, yeah, it gets annoying. Like it's every year. God, we got to deal with this. It's every four years, man. It's not even that big of a deal. It's a big deal to me when it takes up yeah, my I TV guess. time. And also, it doesn't take up your TV time. Really there's there's, there's like preempted? 30 years of Law and Order episodes you can watch. I know, but I want my fresh episode. <laughs> Yeah, no, Nick Wolf can hold off for once every four years. I, think I can't be okay. stand the Olympics. I've grown to hate them more now. 
Yeah, I love I how you like you like your biggest gripe about the Olympics is you can't find an episode of Law and Order, which My is on fifteen different Olympics channels. Is it's all these sports nobody gives a rip about, and then once every four years, people are like uh, captivated by sports they don't care about. Yes, that's fine because we're not. It's yeah, not. Right. I don't want to watch luge right. every day. Right. But every once gripe. every four years, I am. I am open. I am more than capable of having a gripe that people disagree with. <laughs> Okay. I've had yeah. one before. Yes. Many before. Yes. Uh, you've you've made that point before. Oh, God. It's greatest. Uh, you know what I could sit and watch for hours is the 3M Open, too. I'm going to have right. golf fever after the Open Championship. You're going to need a fix at some point before the month's over. Yeah, there's guys playing there right now. My Our guy Ricky Fowler just got confirmed. So he's going to be back at the uh, 3M yeah. Open Poor next guy. week at TPC Twin Cities. Buddy, Can't even uh, qualify for a major. He needs he needs yeah. these FedEx Cup points. And and Ricky, maybe don't go for it on eighteen again this time. Don't, you don't need to score another ten or a twelve like you did the last time. I know you like to gamble on it, but you know maybe don't put the ball in the water like three or four times would be great. Yeah. Uh, but but it is a blast. It's a signature hole there. That that's that's their signature spot at TPC Twin Cities. Uh, you can get your tickets at threeamopen.com slash tickets. Kids fifteen and under too. Also get in free with a paid adult ticket. Cameron Champ won it last year. Other guys like Tony Finau and Ducky Matsuyama is coming as well. There's a lot of great former pro winners uh, on at, at this event at, at, at the 3M Open at the TPC Twin Cities. Go get your tickets now. 3MOpen.com slash tickets. All right, boys. That's a four-question Friday here on Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, our executive producer, Declan Goff. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.